things that really matter. It is worth our lives. This is what we do. Man, we're two weeks in to these video stories, and I don't know about you, but hearing Roma's story last week and this story this week, it just challenges me to think about what God's doing on an individual level in your lives and in the lives of people at Kensington versus the broader number of people that are attending, because we know that God's doing things in so many different areas of our church family and in so many of our lives right here and right now. And when you give to Kensington, uh, whether you give in a monthly way or a weekly way or a one-time gift at the end of the year, all of that goes into our Kensington General Fund and funds everything from Celebrate Recovery that you heard about there to Thanksgiving baskets that Justin talked about earlier to any of the different ministries that you see around our church from K-Kids to Insights to Dig uh, to anything that we do here. Anything that has touched and changed your life comes from that Kensington General Fund. And so over the next few weeks, as you hear about year in giving and you hear about the different stories of life change, uh, like Steve, I just want to invite you into what God is doing here. Uh, there's a few different ways you can give. Uh, there's the Kensington app which if you haven't downloaded it, it's really easy to give on, but it's also really easy to watch different messages on and get event information uh, and all kinds of stuff about service times and and get Christmas tickets and all that. Uh, You can give there. You can give in our offering, which will come up later in our service today, or you can go online to kensingtonchurch.org slash give. Hey, my name is Bill. I want to welcome you out today. We're really glad that you decided to come here on this Sunday. This is a a great Sunday here, whether it's for baptism or the second week of this Question Jesus Asked series. Last week, we talked about uh, the difference of grace and truth. And we set out sometimes in life, uh, we, we can lean in truth people or my people, the grace people, uh, and either side without the other is incomplete. And when grace meets truth, people listen and things get done. And so that's what we talked about this week, uh, last week. This week, we're going to be talking about the idea of gratefulness and gratitude and what Jesus has to say about that. But before we get there, what I want to do is just give you a moment uh, to, to connect with those around you. Why don't you go ahead and stand up, uh, shake hands, learn a few names, and find out the weight of the turkey your neighbor is buying this year. loud during greeting time. Like it's not just quiet. I've been in some places before where you say, hey, stand up and say hi to those around you. And it's like, you guys, like, I'm not even done saying what I want you to ask. And it's already overwhelmed and I can't hear myself anymore, uh, which is great. So, hey, like I said earlier, today we're going to be talking about how we can become truly grateful and thankful people. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Bill, this is really cliche. Thanksgiving's this week. Hey, I get it. But the message today and the content today and the, and the Bible lesson that we're teaching today, I think has really huge implications in your life. Because I know in my life, I can be a jerk. Like, I know me, and if my wife was here, it would have been really quiet, and she would have been like, amen. And everybody would have looked at her. She's not here at this service. We're good. Just don't tell her. Um, But seriously, like, I know in my life, I can be an ungrateful, non-thankful individual. I know a few years ago, uh, I don't know how your family does Christmas. My family likes to be efficient and effective. And so in my family, what we do is we do this text chain. It used to be email, but now my mom and dad are kind of high tech. Uh, They use emojis. And so what we do is we send out a Christmas. Hey, this is what I want for Christmas. Instead of wasting my money on an ugly tie or, or some teapot for my mom, like I find out what she really wants. 
Well, a few years ago, I took this to a whole nother level. I really wanted a new iPod Nano for running. Like, it's what I wanted. It had the little click wheel. It wasn't that stupid finger touch stuff that the kids nowadays use. Like, it worked for running. It was great for me. But they're like 200 bucks at the time. And so what I did is I calculated in my brain. I'm like, I got a brother. I got a sister. I got a mom. I got a dad. I got a wife. And I got some gift cards and a dog. So if they all spend $35 on me, I could help them. I could offer to just get this one thing that they just contributed money to. Like, they don't have to give me individual gifts. Why would I want that? I just want this blue iPod Nano. So I pushed it, and I pushed it, and I pushed it. I thought I was totally in the right. And on Christmas, when they delivered it to me, my sister made one of those comments. You know those comments that are, like, not right to you, but they're, like, to the person next to you, but they're about you? Uh, Hey, Thanksgiving's coming up. Just want to give you a heads up. (laughs) Uh, My sister leans over and just says to my mom, I hope he enjoys that. And in that moment, I realized something. I didn't want the iPod Nano anymore because I had been an ungrateful, unthankful individual. I looked at Christmas as a way to get something that I wanted instead of be with the people that I wanted. And honestly, like, we judge kids when they do that, right? You've seen the kid tornado at Christmas. Like, you, you put, like, six gifts around them, and they go, like, like Tasmanian devil on all the gifts. And then they're done, and you're like, aren't you so thankful? And then they start trying to get the kid next to them's gifts, right? Because we just know as people, we come with a certain mindset. What's a kid's first word? One of two. No. 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 With the eyebrows, usually. Or what's the other one? Mine. They don't, they, they don't come out of the womb saying, here, or yours, or thank you. They come out of the womb saying, no in mine. Because this is true. Is gratitude is not natural, but greed is. Gratitude is not natural, but greed is. We don't have to teach our kids to say mine. We have to teach them to say thank you. And we, I know I do it all the time. But we can become ungrateful, unthankful. And and this is the thing this morning. In order to become a thankful person, because I know this. I don't know all of you. I don't know all of your names. I don't know all of your stories. But I know this. If we were to go sit down at the new Starbucks Reserve in Birmingham and have a really, really expensive cup of coffee, I know this. You and I would talk, and you'd say you want to be a life-giving person. You'd say you'd want to have joy in your life. You'd say you want to have peace in your life. You'd say you want to have good relationships. Like, I know that about you because you're people. Our core needs are acceptance and belonging and safety and care. And we want to have good relationships and we want to be growing. But we have to move from greed to gratitude. And it's really tough. Because greed is this thing where we sit there. And to give you a picture, greed is sitting there and just kind of being like this. Your hands in, closed, close to you. Because it's mine. It's all about me. We see it in babies. We see it in toddlers. We see it in teenagers. Newsflash, we see it in adults. You know people in your office that like if you take their stapler, it's going down. Because God forbid they can't find another red stapler. Like, Like we know that. But take it a step further, like at home. Some of us get greedy about weird things like food or like the remote control. We do. But even if we take it a step further in our hearts, we get greedy about a lot of things. We get really greedy about our time. We get really greedy about the way we think about things, like things are never good enough. I was sitting with a a coworker the other day, 
and this coworker has four kids. Uh, I have two, and, and she works like two different jobs, and she's always going crazy doing everything. And I've been complaining recently about this, right? Because it's just an iPhone 6. It doesn't have an X on it. It doesn't have an eight next to it. It's just a six. And I can't get my text messages quick because I update, never mind. But I don't like it anymore. Like, I want to throw it in the baptismal. And she has an iPhone 5 with a cracked screen. And in that moment, it was just that thing of, I'm like, how dumb can I be sometimes? But I know all of us, like, we do this. We look at other people's cars. We have a fine running car that gets us from point A to point B. And what do we think? It's not good enough. We pull up in our driveway to our house that God's provided for us, and we go, man, my landscaping's not good enough. My house isn't good enough. The carpet's not good enough. My kids aren't good enough. My spouse isn't good enough. And we get into this mindset of greed and not thankfulness and not gratitude. And the key to this is, is greedy people are rarely, if ever, satisfied. Like when we get in that mindset, and I say we because I'm in that with you, we get in this mindset, it's really hard for us to be satisfied because we want more. How do we know that? Because right now I know that like 95% of you are in debt. Like it's true. I was reading an article yesterday on debt load in America. Take away mortgage, okay? Take away student loans. The average person in America has over $30,000 in debt above those two, which tells me something that you and I are not satisfied because we live beyond our means and we want more. Why would we spend more than we make if we were satisfied, if we were content? We wouldn't. I want to do another little example because this is a real big key, is to move from greed to gratitude, we need perspective. Because perspective really changes a lot of things. And so let's see, we have one, two, three, four, five. We have six sections here right now. Okay, so we're going to play this. Why don't you stand up real quick? This is a fun little example. You're not going to greet anybody. We already did that. You're good. All right. So give a little bit of perspective in the world today. So let's just say right now there's around 7 billion people. Now, I know for you majors out there, there's like 7.4, 7.5, and it keeps growing. But let's just round it to 7, right? So a little bit of perspective on where we're at in the world. So a billion of the people in the world live on less than... A dollar a day. So you group, you guys live less than a dollar a day, okay? So I want you guys, you guys sit down. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. So a dollar a day, $365 a year. Another two billion live on less than $2 a day and they don't have electricity. So well, you guys sit down. You guys are less than $2 and you guys are less than $2. So you guys can have a seat there. So another 3 billion people don't have basic sanitation, plumbing, and water. And so let's take you, you guys back there. You two sections have a seat. So you're one and two. And then you far section over here, you guys sit down, okay? And then you guys next to him. You, yeah, you, your section. Cool. Awesome. So think about this for a minute. 7.5 billion people in the world. We are in the 1 billion that are in this back section. So look at the whole, I want you to look at them real quick. They look great today. Hopefully they got their haircut. Uh, But think about this. In the whole planet, we're in that one billion that have what we need. And even that is on a scale. You guys can sit down. Thank you. So even within that, think about this. Us in our one billion, we use 80% of the world's resources. 
So one out of seven uses 80%. One out of seven uses 50% of the world's income. Scientists say that we spend $20 billion a year on ice cream. Do you know what we could do with that $20 billion other than buy more ice cream? We could provide water, health, and sanitation to all other $6.5 billion if we gave up ice cream for a year. Now, yes, I know what you're thinking. You're all smart people. That's an oversimplification. Who's going to give up ice cream, right? <laughs> no, but the idea is this. We have a lot. We have a ton. Did you know that if you have two cars, you're in the top 3% of the world's earning potential? If you have two cars. Not even going to go on TVs and phones. There's a whole bunch of stats out there on this. But all I want to do is just give you a little bit of perspective there. Because many times, honestly, if, if I'm just being real with you, I walk around and my brain is more focused on what I don't have than what I do have. On what I want than what I need. And I'm not here to shame anybody. God didn't put you in this position today so that you feel ashamed for what you have. God is the one that put us here. We didn't. God is the one that allowed us to be born in a country. Think of it what you will in the different climate that we have going on right now. But God allowed you to be born in this country today so that you are in the top 5 to 10% of the world's economy that you went to a decent school and have a good education, that you have clean drinking water at any point throughout your day. God has blessed us abundantly. He put us here. And sometimes just knowing that, like I don't know if you've ever been on a missions trip. Uh, how many of you have ever been out of the country on a missions trip before? Okay, awesome. Hey, I'd encourage you, listen, there are a ton of short-term trips out there. I'd really encourage you to jump into one of those because one of the things you see when you go on a missions trip is you gain some perspective. And it takes you a while to adjust coming back from it. Uh, I had a buddy at work the other day. They went from Disney World with his family uh, to the slums of India on a, on a trip to shoot a video. And he's like, I just went from the world's happiest place to the world's saddest place in a span of 24 hours. And he was really wrestling with it. I remember when I went to Haiti a few years ago on a missions trip, uh, we took a tour of the tent cities there that had popped up after the earthquake. And it was one of those things where you look around and you go, like, not to be dumb, my nine-year-old Dashound has a better life than this. And I don't say that to shame you at all. I say that to encourage you that we have a lot. We have more than we could ever need. And many times, all of our desires. So how do we move from greed to gratitude? How do we, how do, we know that we didn't end up in, in this chair, in this place. Those people back in that section that are in that one billion, they didn't end up there uh, just because they, they worked really hard and, and did things great. There's a certain part in this that God allowed this to happen. And that God has blessed us abundantly. But when we move from greed to gratitude, we need some perspective. And tension happens in our lives in a few different ways. It happens in our lives when this happens. When we don't have perspective, and all we see is what we want, and all we see is what we don't have, and all we see is what's on the commercial, and all we see is what other people have, then what happens in that is our hearts start to become corrupted. And we start to get in this negative spiral of greed and non-being thankful. That's not the right way to say it, but not being thankful. And we can become, many times, I can become ungrateful, I can become entitled, I can become mean, I can become judgmental. Kind of like those kids at Christmas. I don't want to be like that, and you don't want to be like that. And back in Jesus' time, there were people that were like that also. And he had something to say about this. 
And so I want to show you what Jesus means today in Luke 17. There's a story, and this is going to answer the question that Jesus asked today. And so we're going to pick this up in Luke 17, verse 11. And it goes like this. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, a little bit of context here. Lepers in this day were outcasts. If you've ever seen, like... Ben-Hur, or the different movies they put on at Christmas, you get this. Uh, There was no cure for their disease. They're physically disfigured. They were cut off from society. They had no friends, no community. The disease was thought to be contagious. The only friends that they had were other lepers. Jesus was their last hope. Like, their only hope in this moment. According to the Old Testament law, they had to go and show themselves to a priest, and a priest was the only one who could declare them clean. In effect, they wouldn't even know if they were healed until somebody said so which was difficult because they were outcasts. They were kind of in a catch-22. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, he said, hey, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, funny thing here, he didn't say, hey, you're healed. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And they had to have a certain amount of faith in that moment to go and walk, because if they didn't, they'd be killed. And so they went and they showed themselves to the priests and they were healed. Imagine their surprise. Joe, look at your skin. Your arm just grew back. Like, this wasn't like a head cold. This is leprosy. This is limbs. This is fingers. Sam, don't look at me. Like, verse 14 says, as they go. This encourages me to be grateful even for things that I don't even see sometimes. It encourages me to be grateful that maybe one day my dad will come to Christ. It encourages me to be grateful that that one day my two kids will be the kind of kids, the kind of adults that love God and are making a positive impact on society. Even though I don't see it yet, I can be grateful for that. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And this is the question Jesus asked. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Only one returns. Ten were healed. One returns. His public display is so intense, and the irony is that he's the only one. Now, he was a Samaritan, and if you know any biblical context at the time, Samaritan and Jews, uh, to say they did not get along is an understatement. And the fact that he was the one to come back and say thank you to Jesus. The Jews who had known Jesus their whole life, had heard about him, had been exposed to him, didn't come back and thank him. They just went. And so the idea here is, this guy came back. He was healed, and he came back to thank Jesus after the priest said he was clean. He was grateful. He was thankful. Now, I don't know the story of the other nine. We could write a book on that. Like, what were the other nine guys doing? But we know about the one. And here's how I know it's important for us to be grateful. Because Jesus even asked the question. Jesus doesn't ask questions for no reason. He said, where are the other nine? Meaning, hey, you came back. That's different. That's unique. Why aren't the other guys here? The idea today that I want you to leave with, the idea that I want you to write on your heart, the idea today that I want you to test out is this, is that an attitude of gratitude can lead to a life of joy. Now, every single one of us in here wants a life of joy, especially over the holidays, right? It's supposed to be happy. It's supposed to be fun. And then we start dealing with family of origin drama. And then we, aren't, we start dealing with unmet expectations in our family life. Then we start dealing with work pressure and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, the joyful season seems to be a little less joyful. But really... When we have gratitude and gratefulness in our heart, 
and it makes its way out, joy happens. It does. So what do we do? How do we do this? How, how do we manufacture joy? How do we make up joy? How do we do this? Well, I'll tell you, from personal example of somebody who doesn't lean towards the grateful side on a regular basis, like this is a discipline. This isn't just something in one day you're going to hear a message and you're going to read a Bible verse and then you're going to walk out and all of a sudden you're going to feel light and fluffy and joyful. If that worked, that'd be awesome. But it doesn't. It's a discipline. And so I want to give you a few, a few steps today for you to become grateful because I know this. I know that being grateful and thankful is rare. And I know that in your circles of influence, in your workplaces, around your Thanksgiving tables this Thursday, out at Black Friday this Friday, stay home, um, at all of those places, this life-giving joy is rare. But what if we as believers go into this world with the hope and joy of Jesus in our lives and it doesn't, doesn't just stay inside? What if through the next 35, 40 days and all the stress and all the things that come with it, we're able to stay above it and joyful and life-giving? What, what would that do in our circles of influence, in our families and in our worlds? It would stand out. It wouldn't just stand out in your life. It would stand out in the lives of those around you. So how do we do this? What, are, what does gratitude actually look, back, look like? Well, the first thing is this. The first thing that the leper did is he went back. He went back to Jesus. And for many of us in the room today, we have to go back to the source of our joy. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I'm not going to throw anything at you. Close your eyes for a minute. When's the last time you've been truly joyful? Keep your eyes closed. Just think. When's the last time you were truly joyful? When's the last time you laughed so hard you cried? You can open them. Listen, this is rare. This is rare. That we have joy in our lives. This is one of the hardest things to do because it takes a minute for us to pause and remember. And listen, I don't know your life. And I know when I start getting into this territory here, it can be difficult. Because I don't know every circumstance in the room. I don't know every situation in the room. And I know some of you in this room today are going through hard times. I understand that. I can empathize with you. And there's no but there. You know, it's not like but. I know that there are things to be joyful for in your life. Now, I don't know you, but I know God. And I know God loves us in a way that there are things that go on that are horrible and negative and life-changing. There's always a moment of joy in our relationship with Jesus. Psalm 77 says this. I love this verse. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. When was the last time God did something awesome in your life? The last time anything good happened to you. Anything. Like I, on Friday, I, I got a text on Wednesday from a friend who said, hey, John Somerville's leaving. I'm like, oh, newsflash. Hey, John. Uh, he said, hey, let, let's go to Great Lakes Coffee and do a, a coffee tasting. Didn't know one of, one of the coolest things that I've ever wanted to do is do a coffee tasting because I love coffee way too much. And so on Friday, me and three of my friends went out and did a coffee tasting for an hour and a half and learned more about coffee from a guy who's like forgotten more about it than I even know. Like got to taste all these. It was just fun. 
It was joyful. A, a few days ago, um, it was pouring down rain. I got to go to the gym and run. Now, that's fun for me. Don't judge. Uh, but I was able to have a gym membership with a treadmill on the inside. That was fun for me. You know? I, I, uh, about five weeks ago, I got tackled in flag football and cracked a rib. Uh, finally, like two days ago, for the first time, I was able to do a pull-up and a push-up. That was fun for me. I know, once again, you're judging me. Uh, but these are just fun little things. Like the other night, I have a fireplace at my house, and we made a huge fire with my family and watched movies. Those are fun. Now, those are moments. Life isn't always easy. Life isn't always this simple thing. But there are moments of joy in every single one of our lives. And what I would challenge you and encourage you to do, admonish you to do, like if you and I were sitting down, I'd make you pull out your phone or a piece of paper and do it right now, is find one thing daily to be thankful for. To find one thing every single day that happened that's good. And it can be as simple as, and I've done this one before. This is such a cop-out. God, thank you for allowing me to wake up this morning. That's like a cop-out, I know. Like, that's when you know it's been a rough day. God, thank you for the opportunity to have crunchy peanut butter in my home. God, thank you that my wife stashes Snickers bars up in that cabinet. God, thank you that, but it, it can be stupid things. It doesn't matter, but something happens in our lives. You know it. Something happens in our lives when we take stock of something and go, oh, that was good. And it can start this spiral of good things. It's so hard because it means we have to slow down, take the time to remember and shift our perspective. Not what we do not have, but what we do have for God in our lives. Go back to your source of joy. For you in the room that call yourself a Christian, that have put your faith and trust in Jesus, there's a moment in all of our lives that he changed you. He changed me. There's forgiveness that he gave us. There's a joy and a purpose that he gave us. And even if right now we are derailed from that purpose, if even if right now our life does not represent what we wanted it to be, there's still a moment that the creator of the world and the savior of our lives came down and said, I did this for you. Man, it's tough sometimes, but it's there. And we have to push through. It's a discipline. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. It's not. But you can do it. Go back to your source of joy. Find something every day because an attitude of gratitude leads to a life of joy. The second thing you can do is you can give thanks even loudly. That leper came back and it said he was publicly loudly praising God. You can give thanks. Now this is kind of a fake it till you make it thing sometimes because we can work this in to every single conversation because most people, when they come up to you, are they speaking negatively or positively? In your work environments, in your family life, like are most people bringing you solutions or problems? Problems. So how rare is it when somebody goes, yeah, you know what? You're right. The baptismal tank is freezing. That'll be fun. Oh, hey, sorry, guys. No, but I mean, like when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, uh, Joe, that project at work just bombed. Awesome. What's our next project? <laughs> like, I'm not being fake with you today. I'm saying in some of our lives, we do need to fake it till we make it. We do. Another way that we can give thanks in our lives is really simple. We can walk and we can give. We can give back to God. See, when we give thanks with our words, it's one thing. We give thanks with other resources that we have, that's another. And right now what I want to do here is I want to pause for a minute and I want to receive our offering. Now, if you're a part of Kensington, you know we do this every single week. And we do it for a few different reasons. The main one here 
is we believe that God has called us to give because he's blessed us and we can be joyful in it. The Bible says to give cheerfully and joyfully. Now, if you're a guest here today, we just want you to know we do not expect you to participate. This service is something we want you to participate in. You can go to Starting Point and get a really cool, awesome coffee mug. Uh, But for those of us who are Kensington in our home, right now we're going to take a moment and receive the offering. Ushers, you can come on forward. So when we give thanks, we can give thanks loudly with our words. We can give thanks loudly with our resources. Now, there's different levels of resources here. Some of you have resources in the room that I don't. And that's okay. Because we can give thanks to the level that God has blessed us. Tell others. Working into conversations about ways that you can give thanks. No one's doing this. It feels good when you say thanks. It feels good when somebody says thank you to you. So another thing you can do is people in your life that have done something for you, say thank you. Somebody around the house does something you didn't expect, say thank you. Your kid actually uh, eats their meal, say thank you. Like your teenager puts their phone down, say thank you. Your coworker doesn't take the credit for something, say thank you. Your boss acknowledges you in public, say thank you. Like work that into your vocabulary, you're going to become more grateful. It just happens quickly. An attitude of gratitude leads to a life of joy. So the last thing is this, is if we want to go back to our source of joy and find that thing we're thankful for, even if it's hard every single day, if we want to give thanks loudly about what God has done in our life, and even if we need to fake it sometimes and just say thank you for everything else going on in our life and, and, and kind of begin that source of joy. The last thing we need to do, and this is going to sound weird, but we need to get out. Jesus told that leper to go. And for many of you in this room, you have been transformed by the power of Jesus. And you have went back to your source of joy. And you have given thanks. But when we are thankful, we become generous with our time and with our resources and with our actions. I saw this example yesterday morning at Thanksgiving baskets. I saw hundreds of people come through with their kids in tow. They were ready to go take baskets out to people at our partner school and in the community and share with them the love and hope of Jesus. Last week, I saw people step out and volunteer to serve because God has done something in their life and they're getting out to go serve. A few weeks ago, uh, in our Love, Sex, and Dating series, we talked about marriage mentoring and we had two couples then went and signed up to be marriage mentors. That's how you get out. You get out of your comfort zone. You get out of your environment. And sometimes for some of you, just a little thing here, that are struggling with joy, that are struggling with thankfulness, that are struggling with gratitude, for you, skip the first two steps and go serve. Find somebody to serve. Shovel somebody's, oh, shovel somebody's lawn when it snows. Never mind. Um, Mow somebody's lawn right now. Buy a neighbor a cup of coffee. Do something for your coworker that bothers you. Do something to initiate a conversation with your spouse. Do something for your kids that they don't expect because they've been nasty to you for a week. Go out. Get out and serve them. Because when we serve other people, things shift in our lives. uh, Coming up next year, uh, for the men in the room, there's a trip. There's a man-up trip to the Holy Land. Now, going to Israel is a bucket list for me. I'm sure it's a bucket list for many of you. Guys, if you want to snap out, If maybe you're in a season right now where you're like, man, I I need some gratitude. I need to be thankful. Listen, take a trip to the Holy Land. Justin Warrens, the guy who did the the announcements earlier, he's going to be down here after service to talk to you about it. What a great opportunity to build some relationships with some other guys. And what a great opportunity to go and see the Holy Land and see what Jesus saw and walk where Jesus walked. If you went to man up, what a great way to, to keep going in those relationships. Listen, if you're stuck, go serve somebody.
it changes things because this happens. Darkness can't enter a grateful heart. And an attitude of gratitude leads to a life of joy. There's a verse in Philippians that said this as we close today. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. It goes on to verse 4 and it says, Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as Jesus. Listen, if you and I walk out of here today, and we're able to move into the next few weeks, the next few days, and be able to identify some things in my life and in your life that we can be thankful for and joyful for, and we're able to give thanks to those around us and, and honor those around us and get out and serve somebody, I promise you this, your heart will start to shift. And when your heart starts to shift, your attitude and your behavior are close behind it. Can you imagine for a minute in our lives, and our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, if we were able to live in a way that was grateful, that led to a life of joy? This morning, we're going to see an opportunity. We're going to see some of our friends put that into practice. We have our, as Justin called it, our Jesus jacuzzi, um, down here. And if you don't know, baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. Baptism is a lot like my wedding ring. If I lose my wedding ring, like I've done twice, um, it doesn't mean I'm not married. It just means I don't have the symbol of my marriage. And baptism is a symbol of what God has done in us that we want to show the world we are living for Jesus because we are grateful for what he's done. And so you're going to see some of our friends get baptized today and you're going to see some of their stories. And our hope today is that you can celebrate with them and that you can take stock in your own life. Am I living in a way that has gratitude and thankfulness for everything that God has given me? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this story in the Bible when, when Jesus asked, where are the other nine? Thank you for the ability today, God, to come into this place, to have cars to drive here, to have money to buy Starbucks on the way in, to, to have friends in the lobby that we can talk to, to have seats we can sit in, um, in this world where we can hear about you. God, I pray for every individual here, including myself, that we can have this heart of gratefulness. God, that we can be thankful for the things that you've given us, the joy that you've put in our hearts from your forgiveness and your salvation, your love. God, that we can daily put into practice that idea of being grateful. That we can give thanks, God, loudly for what you've done and, and even what those in our lives have done. So many people, we, we miss out on encouraging others. God, give us uh, that courage and that prompting to say thank you to people. God, and let us get out. Let us go serve in so many different ways. God, we love you. We thank